sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. Welcome to the Soar Podcast. This is a platform for sisters to gather and have some empowering conversations. And in the process of these conversations, we help each other overcome some limiting beliefs. I want you to join the conversation. I appreciate your likes, subscribes, and comments. This podcast is sponsored by Stephanie Brown Coaching. If you have any limiting beliefs that are holding you back, feel free to contact the coach at sociatap.com forward slash Steph Brown MD. Okay, I'm going to share a little coaching secret with you. One of the ways that we can overcome our limiting beliefs is by revising our thoughts. With the source saying, we get to choose a new thought that expands us and helps us to rise. I don't know about you, but I can use all of the affirmation that I can get. With so much negativity in the world, I bet you can too. This week's source saying is, of course, about our mindset and about releasing baggage. Realizing that when we lay that baggage down, that we can soar even higher. So the source saying for this week is, I lay down my baggage so that I can soar higher. Again, the source saying for this week is, I lay down my baggage so I can soar higher. If you have ever wanted to know what resilience looks like, the name and the person of Ebony M. Walker would be exemplary. Wife, mother, daughter, sister, entrepreneur, pastor, author, mentor, friend. These are just a few of the many hats that she wears. Born and raised in Moore County, North Carolina, this Eastwood Pinehurst native has defeated many odds and has survived things that are unspeakable. From molestation to abandonment, from drug-infested environments to depression, she should have been another negative statistic. But God had another plan for her. Earning a degree in criminal justice, she worked in the legal system as a paralegal and a background screener for a short time. Music, writing, and motivational speaking have always been passions for her. She's the owner of Walk Up Right, which provides copywriting, ghostwriting, marketing content, and more. Her clientele list is as vast, and she has served many of the people with various writing projects, from politicians to clergymen, from activists to multi-million dollar entertainers, from teachers to mothers and fathers, from CEOs to college students. She shares her gift with people from all walks of life. She was ordained as a pastor in 2015, selected as a Think Smart 40 Under 40 honoree, and has served as the North Carolina chapter leader for J&J, which stands for Just Networking Girls, for over five years. This is an international female entrepreneur networking group that helps women across the globe to build their audience and their bank accounts, providing support and resources to one another. In March of 2019, Beauty in the Pulpit was released. This is her first co-authored project with several other ministerial leading ladies. It discusses the behind the scenes detriment that many women have faced in ministry, but were too ashamed to disclose. In November of 2020, she released two additional co-authored projects, Becoming the Shiro and The Queen Experience which both have positioned her to become a national and international best-selling author 
And in February of 2021, she released her very first affirmation journal, XX1 The Sequence, 21 Days to Positive Habit Formation. Featured on ABC, Fox News, CBC, Boston Herald, Telemundo, Majority Greek Magazine, QS Entertainment, Atlanta Live, and many other platforms, she's focused on reaching the masses via Marketplace Ministry. A motivational speaker and a woman of prayer, Ebony wholeheartedly relies on the grace of God to function and complete any assignment given to her. And she knows, without a shadow of a doubt, that her assignment includes her ability to convey any message through written and spoken word. She currently resides in Fayetteville, North Carolina with her husband, Apostle John Walker. Collectively, they have four children, seven grandchildren, and one special goddaughter. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Stephanie. It is an honor. How are you today? I am well. And this has been a long time coming. We've been working together. You are a writer. You write a lot of my content and you just make my social media fabulous. <laughs> and so I knew that I wanted to interview you. And so I'm so excited that we've gotten to the point that we're here and it's happening. And I love our topic. So the topic today is don't die a bag lady. Ooh, don't. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I know there's so much, there's so much wrapped into that. So I just can't wait to hear and start to unpeel the layers that come along with that. But first, I just want you to introduce yourself to my guest and just tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are now. Wow. Well, I'm Ebony Walker. I hail from the great state of North Carolina. So if you hear a little bit of country twang, I try to hide it, but I can't help it. It slips out sometimes. <laughs> but Carolina, um, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, a pastor, an entrepreneur, a writer, and I am just somebody who had to recognize that she was holding on to too much baggage and she was never going to become anything trying to hold on to the baggage and expectations and opinions and whatever goes in that blank of everyone else. So um, a few years ago, it took me, it's sad how it can take us so long to make a decision to do what we are called and created to do. But once you get in that vein, then you realize, hey, wait a minute, you're focused, you're laser focused, you have made a choice to do and be something different. So because of that, doors have just been open and God has blessed me and I'm in the right mind frame to just receive this newness that is coming my way. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So you speak just as well as you write. So all of those words just came together effortlessly. Thank you. No practice. It's funny because I often try to get, you know, like I'm going to say this and get a speech and get a thing. And it's like, OK, just just talk from the heart. So that's what I'm learning to do is to just talk from the heart, speak from the heart. Absolutely. So when I think about don't die a bag lady, and I know before we started this recording, we were talking about the Erica Badu song and yes. That is a song that I will play frequently on this show because it really does speak to a lot of the things yes. that the the issues, you know, just kind of letting go of things. So if you had to explain that topic, like if you were given a pitch and I know you've you've given this, you've spoken all over the, the country and I think internationally as well. So if you were giving a pitch for what you're going to say in a keynote by that title, what what would you what would that pitch be? 
Oh, goodness. That's a good question. I think that pitch would probably start off with hitting a pain point, asking you when is the last time you had your back checked up or checked out. And I know that would be a strange way to start a conversation, but I would literally ask, when is the last time that you had a checkup? Have you been carrying things that have messed up your shoulders, your back, your neck? Because in the natural, that does happen when you're holding weight or holding on to extra things. And then I would just correlate that with, well, if you know that in the natural holding, you know, carrying a book bag, carrying a heavy sack for long periods of time is hurting you, then how do you think your spirit, your soul is is, is handling carrying all of the weight from yesteryear and mm. going right into it. It's just basically, you know, that this heavy feeling that you are feeling is not just because, oh, well, I'm a little tired, but many of us are literally tired from carrying years upon years of unnecessary mess. Mm. So it's let go of that mess, whatever goes in that blank, whatever your mess is, it could be relationship, it could be finances, it could be habits, it could be horrible ways of thinking about yourself, but it's time to let go of those weights because it's some other stuff you need to carry that's going to carry you into your next dimension. Mm, I love that. That is very inspirational and, and very true. One thing that I find though, is that sometimes when we carry stuff for such a long time, we don't realize it's baggage. We think it's an extra hump on our back, right? <laughs> we think that we have, you know, morphed into a camel. So we just have this hump and it's just part of who we are. How do you help people realize that it's not a part of who they are, but it's actually some baggage that they can put down? Well, first, you have to be willing to look at your entire situation. I think just because you are used to a thing doesn't mean that that thing is supposed to be a part of your life. It's it's synonymous with bad relationships or bad eating habits. OK, you might be used to getting up at two and three in the morning, eating an ice cream sandwich every night. But after about two or three weeks, after about a month, you see some extra mm -hmm. waste. That doesn't mean it's beneficial to you. So you first have to be honest with yourself, even if it feels good, even if you're used to it, even if it's just become normal, that does not mean that it's okay. And I think because oftentimes we get so used to the abuse, again, be it verbally, emotionally, psychologically, whatever the case is, we get so used to it. We just figure that it's normal. I can even be extremely transparent. When I was younger, I was molested by my father. And for the longest time growing up, I actually had an issue having healthy relationships with male figures because I thought, well, if daddy touched me like that and if daddy did that and he always told me that he loves me, this has to be normal. So it messed up my, my way of thinking about relationships, my way mm -hmm. of thinking about sex, my way of thinking about myself, because what had become normal to me was actually detrimental to who I was supposed to become. And I had to say, you know what, wait a minute. And honestly, it took me getting married. I thank God for my husband. It, it wasn't until I got married and actually experienced a genuine love and someone wanting to take care of me and protect me and cover me and provide for me without me having to give them something in return. I um, often share this story with my husband. He is a pastor. And many people will say, girl, I don't know how you did it. But we were not intimate before we got married. Now, I know with some people, they're like, no, I need to try it out. But that's how I was because I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm getting married to this joker. I need to make sure that mm -hmm. everything is everything. But he told me, listen, 
I made a vow to God. And as much as I love you, I will not break that covenant with him. And it blew my mind because I was like, but I thought this is what I was supposed to do. I mm-hmm. thought this was normal. I thought I was supposed to give, 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 and then just accept whatever you give me to return because that's what I was used to. And that just made me love him all the more because he wanted me. He didn't want what he could get from me, but that's what I was used to. I was used to holding that 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 bag of, okay, well, let me just go in and give them whatever they want because I know it's going to happen anyway. So when someone tries to come and take that bag from you, say, no, baby, you're not supposed to be carrying this. Let me help you pick up the mm-hmm. right And it blew my mind. So to this day, I'm like, people like that really do exist. But other people know that. I just didn't because the bad stuff was normal to me. So people Mm -hmm. have to, just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hats off to your husband. He sounds amazing. (laughs) And I know he's not the only one out there. There are a lot of, of good men out there. And, and that was really something really tough that you had to go through. And I know a lot of people who've gone through that have ended up in some really dark places uh, because hurt people will hurt themselves or hurt other people. So I, I'm sure that there were a lot of that it was a process, right? Oh. For you to for you to heal from that and be able to let go of that baggage. But what I'm hearing is that other people can help you and show you that what you think you have to carry is not actually yours to carry and you can put it down. And you have to be willing to let them teach you. I think we get so caught up in this facade because it's especially when you've been hurt, you've been rejected, you've gone through so many different emotional traumas and things of that nature that when someone who is genuine does come into your life, even if it's not on that relationship tip, just someone who just wants to get to know you and be there for you, you've got to be willing to let them do it. My husband, again, he's a minister and he, I never forget a, a sermon that he preached and in it, it was so confusing at the time, but after the fact, it was like an aha moment. He said, sometimes God will send someone who looks like what hurt you to actually heal you. Mm. And that fine. And I'm like, wow, are you serious? So although he had that, he was a male, he had this persona in my mind, he's just like everybody else. But that's how we do relationships. Sometimes the people who we encounter are actually created to help us release this baggage, but because they may look like the perpetrator or they may look like the ones who are the reasons that we picked up this baggage, mm-hmm. we are accepting their help. So we've got to pray that our vision changes so we can see who is who and what is what. And then not, you know, be so defensive and not think everybody's enemy. I know we talk about our haters, but we give way, way too much time and attention to everybody's not hating on you. They're not. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of times we project how we feel about ourselves onto other people. And it's good to have that self-reflection to be able to look and see, well, where is that actually coming from? So you've mentioned a few times that your husband is a pastor, but you're also a pastor. So tell me a little bit about what that journey was like or is like. Goodness, honey, listen, first of all, I want it. And so they, <laughs> it is, it's very difficult. I don't, I do not put myself in the same limelight as celebrities, but it's 
synonymous in the fact that the eyes are always on you. So before, mm-hmm. when nobody knew me, it was okay. I could mess up. I could steal. I could cuss. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And it was cool. But now that I'm in this position and now that they're seeing me more and I'm speaking and, you know, I'm doing books and doing speeches and all this other stuff, people are looking for you to mess up. And it's a very, it can be a very disheartening thing, especially when your heart is in the right place and you mm-hmm. know to help people but i've accepted the fact that there are just some people who will never accept me and again it's not always easy but i'm learning to be okay with that Um, my husband there is almost a 17 year difference between us so when we got married it was so crazy because everybody was like who was this little girl and i'm thinking okay (laughs) y'all got the right one and the wrong one but (laughs) learn how to gauge that because old ebony will pop off but like listen you don't know me don't come at me like that and i can still do that now i just know how to do it a little more professionally but it was so difficult just in my mind thinking that i had to make people accept me thinking Mm -hmm. that i had love me thinking that i had to make them like me and respect me to now well no i walk in a place of authority respectfully so whether you agree with me or not i'm going to be who i'm supposed to be and you either fall in line or you fall back it just is what it is so i've I've learned even with the whole relationship building thing i've learned that not every woman wants my husband because i know that's a stigma that they do in the church oh well so and so now i've had some battles and i right say some stuff and confront some people but that's a lie it's not just because he's a pastor that's just a lie that's because we're human and people will always test you but that journey has its good days and it has its bad days but i'm walking in the the calling and the position that i'm supposed to be in so i just embrace the good with the bad and just keep it moving (laughs) yeah so are you officially co-pastors or do you have a different role no, we're officially, he, he, my husband, he is an apostle. I am ordained as a pastor, although I just, I don't want to say I hate it because some people will say, well, what do you mean? But I just, I just try to shy away from that, but you can't help who you are at the end of the day. When you are who you are, that is it. We do, we do serve in ministry together. I'm always trying to push him more so when the forefront and you go, but now there's a season where he's like, nope, it's time for you to emerge. It's time for them to hear you. And, and I'm grateful for that because I've, mm-hmm. I've had many other first lady friends who feel overlooked and who feel like they're mm-hmm. just pretty face and somebody cute, a trophy wife. So I thank God for my husband because he is always pushing me to be better. And I'm like, no, I'm good where I'm at, sir. I'll just stay over here and be cute and support you and pray for you. But well, it really does. I'm grateful for my husband. If my husband was like some other people, then I wouldn't be in a good spirit about it, but I'm grateful for him. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like he has um, that spiritual maturity Yes. To know and to listen and to hear what God is saying and not to be, you know, all in his ego yes. or in, intimidated by your gifts. Absolutely. And that is one thing that he will often say. And I used to, it used to bother me when he would say this. He would say, well, I know who my wife is and it doesn't scare me. And I would be like, well, why are you always saying that? But now <laughs> I understand because I'm like, I'm not trying to be nothing. I'm just chilling. I'm not trying to bother anybody. <laughs> But I'm so grateful because he lets people know, listen, you're not going to bring division here. We're a unit. We're a team. I know who I am, but I also know who she is. And I'm pushing her to be who she is. So I'm grateful. And I think in any marriage, it's vital, be it ministry or otherwise, just that the husband and wife support each other. Mm. Hey, listen, I know what I bring to the table. I know what you bring to the table. And when we bring it together, man, we can be powerful, but we're still going to respect each other and our individual gifts so that we can be who we need to be corporately. 
Absolutely. You mentioned that there's a 17 year age gap. (laughs) Do you think that with that 17 year age gap, you were looking for a father figure? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know without a doubt. It's so funny because when I was younger, when I was dating or doing whatever I thought I was doing, (laughs) I always attract older guys. And in my mind, it was never intentional. But in here, I learned later that it was that looking for that father figure, looking for that man looking for because in my mind, guys that were my age, they were just stupid. I didn't want to have nothing to do with them. I mean, I'm 16, 17, 18 years old dating 26, 27, 30 year old men. And it was like, but why do you keep gravitating to this? Now, in my mind, oh, it's because I'm more mature. I'm this, I'm that. But the little girl inside was still looking for something, was still Mm -hmm. desiring that approval, that that um protecting even if it's the expense of being treated less than what I should have been treated so yeah I definitely my husband and I we joke about that now because (laughs) when people say you know well how old are you how and then we laugh and I'm like well yeah I was minding my business not being born and here comes this dude with a job (laughs) trying to talk to me so we joke about it all the time and he's like okay I waited for you so (laughs) yeah but um, even with him, I often joke because I'm, I'm not his first wife. And that was something that was on my list. I always said, Lord, I do not want. It was funny. I gave God my list. And he was like, yeah, I didn't want someone who was darker than me for whatever reason. I don't even know why. I didn't want someone who was that much older than me. I didn't want someone who had been married. I did not want a pastor. Did not want somebody who had children. And lo and behold, what did I get? Everything <laughs> on my list. I was like, what in the world is this God? But it turned out to be exactly what I needed and what he needed also. Oh, that's beautiful. God said, okay, I see your list, but right. I have another list, right? right. I, I have a, I have a better list for you. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So you also talked about your books. So I am so curious to know how, when you realized that you had this gift of writing mm. and when you started writing books. Goodness. So writing, I've always been a writer. So when I was younger, because of the things that I experienced with my father, um, writing was always a way of escape. One of the things I always tell people, as jacked up as it sounds, my father did some horrible things to me. But two of the greatest gifts that he gave me were singing and writing, because my father was also a writer and a singer. So music and writing became my life. And what's so ironic is as a child, I had a speech impediment. I stuttered horribly wow. like now but me doing this I never <laughs> would have seen this taking place because I mean it was bad like I was picked on and I was always very quiet and people wouldn't understand but the, my t words s words r words w words oh no they were the enemy so I would always in my mind try to figure out other ways to say things so it kind of started there oh. then, I couldn't express myself or if I needed to say something, I would just sing. And then it went from me singing it to just kind of writing out. So if I was angry, I would write a poem or write a song about it. If I was sad, I would write a poem or write a song about it. And it just really grew from there. And then by the time I got into college, I was making money for writing, you know, doing my friends papers and their research papers and dissertations and all this other stuff. And I loved it. So it just kind of stuck with me. Unfortunately, what I went to school for has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. I have a degree in criminal justice. 
I don't know why, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> but if I knew then what I know now, I definitely would have gone into journalism or communications because that is my passion. But I mean, the writing is I've been doing that all of my life, but I didn't take it seriously for myself until about three or four years ago. I was cool with doing it for everybody else, but mm-hmm. it's like a light bulb never went off and said, hey, you need to do this. And I'm like, wait. Well, I have been doing this. Oh, I can do this. Okay, well, let me try this. But then when I started, it was so nerve-wracking. I felt like I couldn't do it. I felt like I was unworthy. I felt like nobody was going to want to support or read it or whatever. But that's just, again, the baggage of other people Mm -hmm. that have been lying dormant in my mind. And all of a sudden, it just came back up out of nowhere. So, But I'm glad I pushed through and, and went on the other side of it because now I have four books and one more that is coming soon. So I am excited. Wow. For, for those of us who have never written a book, that's like climbing Mount Rushmore to me, right? <laughs> Writing four books. And you're still so, so young and you have all of these other things that you do, your wife, your mother, you have your own business. So tell me about you know, your books, what are they about? So the very first one that I did was an anthology book. Um, I figured if I wasn't ready to write the whole book yet, then I would just kind of join someone else's project. And it was right up my alley. It came out in February of 2019 called Beauty in the Pulpit for obvious reasons. We talked about that a little bit earlier. So, you know, and it literally, it was myself and I think nine or 10 other women that either were pastor's wives or ministers or preacher's kids that grew up in church. And they just really gave some very transparent testimonies about what really happens. People see the face, they see, oh, she cute, she this, she that, but they don't know the behind the scenes things that some women in ministry have to deal with. Sometimes we are not received because you still have churches and religions that believe women can't preach, shouldn't preach. So this particular book, again, is called Beauty in the Pulpit. It just kind of dives into that mindset. And I even share a testimony of how I did not want to be in ministry because of a former pastor when I was younger, actually trying to have sex with me and with my mother Mm. and how that jaded my mindset about men in ministry and about preachers, which is one of the reasons why I didn't want to marry one. But again, God knew what I needed. Yeah. That's that first book. The second book, it's sad because I have to remember, the second one was Becoming the Shiro. And that was just released last year. And Becoming the Shiro is literally just what it sounds like. Our quest to becoming those women who are heroes, who have done things, who have experienced things, who have been resilient. So that is also an anthology project. And then the third book is called The Queen Experience, um, Taking Your Royal Position, which is going from, okay, this is what I did. This is what I went through but this is who I am this is who I'm going to be take it or leave it so that was that particular book and then the fourth one that I just released back in February was an affirmation journal which was called 21 days to positive habit formation Mm. so it's pretty good pretty pretty good rap so far but I'm not done yet I'm not done yet I can tell I hear all that energy and that passion in you that is just waiting to come out Uh, you have blessed so many people already so when I when I think about not dying a bag lady, one of the things that we haven't talked about is finances, because, you know, that that's one of the images that comes up, you know, just being a bag lady, being homeless. So what would be your message to women who don't want to die a bag lady financially? Oh, my goodness. First of all, you've got to learn to respect your money. 
You know, I mean, this. I know we don't think of it because we feel, okay, well, if I work or if I get paid, it's mine. I can do what I want to do with it. And this is outside of bills. It's outside of, you know, household necessities. You really have to respect your dollar. If you wouldn't let someone else come in and just take over your money and treat it any kind of way, you shouldn't do that either. And I think because a lot of people aren't taught to respect the value of their hard earned money, then they just feel like, oh, well, I'll get it again. So yeah, girl, this was on sale. I'm not saying, you know, don't indulge at times but because of overindulgence that is how we become bag ladies because we're literally carrying debt <laughs> we're mm-hmm. carrying frustration because we can't get the things that we want to get or even the things that we need to get so the first thing you have to learn to respect your own money my i have a son that's in college but even now he'll say well mom i need so-and-so okay but i sent you money last week what did you do with that money and i had to learn to put boundaries on even the spending mm-hmm. with my money So, but that's because I'm learning to respect what I earn. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, you can get more, you can make more, but you never know what's going to happen. This last year has proven that life is inevitable. We can have a plan, have a backup plan and have a backup to the backup. But you never know what's going to happen. So I know people struggle in finances. They struggle with their credit. They struggle with saving and with budgeting. But you will never learn how to do any of that until you learn how to respect your own money. You have to. So is there a way to help people learn how to respect? Like, because when you say that to me, I think of mindset and I think of the lack mindset and the abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things come to mind. But are there other ways that we can learn to respect our money? Because you're right. We weren't, most of us were not raised that way. We were not conditioned that way. You know, I think about how growing up people just bought new cars and they, they (laughs) bought the latest tennis shoes and they were living, you know, in an apartment, but there was no sense of, okay, let me focus on this and, and not, not, um, buy a Mercedes when I'm living in an apartment. So how do you go from being conditioned that way to a mindset where you're respecting your money so that you can weather the storms? I think it has a lot to do with that. Um, I know in the South, we talk about keeping up with the Joneses <laughs> and you never know who the Joneses are. But again, because when you grow up, you always see it, it's this underlying silent competition that we shouldn't even be in. And I think we see it just like you said, you should, there's no reason that you should be in an apartment, but you're driving a Mercedes. Ironically, I recently saw someone who pulled into an apartment complex in a Hummer and I was so confused. <laughs> mind up maybe they were visiting a friend i hope so because (laughs) not, baby listen it's ridiculous but we we've got to like debunk some myths that we even live just again it goes back to just because it, it was the norm when you were younger or because you saw your parents doing it it does not mean it's okay so we saw our parents struggling we saw them robbing Mm -hmm. peter to pay paul them and i understand if something happens and there was just a struggle i get it we've all been there but You will never learn how to respect your money if you are trying to think of money the way that you saw your parents or your grandparents do it. When you see that you are just like them, that should be a red flag to say, hey, you know what? Okay, well, you know, Papa bought a Cadillac, but, you know, me and my siblings was all sleeping in the same bed. Something is wrong with that. You've got to come out of that and say, well, it may have worked back then, even if you know it's not a good idea now. But today, how can you be different? But again, it all goes back to that mindset. You've got to respect it, but you've got to confirm 
confront it and see it as a problem. The issue is a lot of people don't see their spending habits or their disrespect for finances as an issue. To them, it's my money so I can do what I want to do. But why do you feel that way? And who instilled that in you with my son again in college? And my husband used to pick on me all the time because he'd say, you are just cheap. I'll go in a store. I'll go right to <laughs> track i'll go online i'll go through amazon if you if you say hey i need such and such i'm going to find it and my husband will always say ebony you're not going to find something for seven cents i'll be like watch me (laughs) (laughs) challenge accepted challenge yes but i'm glad that i have that mindset to an extent now some things you cannot be cheap with some things you need to invest in so that they last but i would rather have that mindset than just to figure okay well i'm gonna spend and just whatever happens happens because i decided to not treat money like I saw my parents do it, like I saw my grandma do it, like I saw, you know, aunties and uncles do it. I had to say, you know what? It looked like it worked, but now that I'm older and I'm doing it, that really don't work like I thought it did. So let me shift that and just see what works for me. It's so interesting that you said that because I was looking to go on a vacation or to, to take a trip in the summer. Mm-hmm. And we have a friend who's a travel agent and he came back with some quotes that were like really inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, well, is it going to be up to my standards if it's that inexpensive? And he said, you know, I'm really good at what I do. I can find great deals. And so then I looked at the the resort and it was good. I looked at the reviews. I didn't see any bad reviews. You know, this thought came to me, well, other people I know who've gone to this place talk about going to these other resorts and they're much more expensive. What is so much better? And then Mm -hmm. I had to stop myself and I said, you know, I realize that a lot of times people that I know, black people will spend extravagantly on vacations. And it's, it's almost like what you said, keeping up with the Joneses Mm -hmm. or, you know, I, you know, if, if, if I care about myself, then, It's almost like this real housewives thing, right? You know, everything's got to be the best. Everything's got to be larger than life. Everything's got to be. And and, and I was like, wait, are you kind of like falling into that trap of thinking it doesn't have to be $5,000 just to be worth your time or for you to have a good time? If you can spend half of that and take that other half and pay down some debt or take that yep. other half and put it in a college savings fund just because you have it. You don't have to spend it on that. It was yeah. just like a light bulb. And I think that is so vital just because you have it. It doesn't mean you have to spend it. And that's one thing that we've seen. Just be real with the people do what they want to do with their stimulus, with their income tax check, whatever. But just because you have this STEMI money doesn't mean that you have to spend it on ignorance. Now, some will say I earned it. I did this. Well, you technically didn't, but it's OK. Whatever. <laughs> Just because you have it, does that mean that, okay, well, now I can go get those shoes? No. Why don't you save it? Why don't you, like you said, pay off some debt? You don't know what's going to happen in the next few months. God forbid we have another shutdown, but start paying attention to what they're saying on the news. And they're talking about, oh, well, you know, a second strand, a third strand of this or that. Mm-hmm. Well, some essential items. Look, we can go to the store now and buy disinfectant and buy Clorox and get all this stuff, get water. So go get that stuff now. 
And even if, if the world, the, the country doesn't shut down again, at least you'll have it. It'll be in stock. But we have to get out of this mindset of, oh, okay, well, this money is burning a hole in my pocket because that's what people will often say. But why is it burning a hole in your pocket? And why is it necessary to spend, spend, spend? Why can't you just see it there and say, oh, good. Okay. Well, you know what? I need to get a new set of tires. So let me do that instead of mm -hmm. girl. All this thing on sale well girl i'm going out of town granted we all need a vacation i'm going on one for my birthday soon but it was gifted to me because truth is if it wasn't gifted to me i probably wouldn't be going because i'm like well we got some other stuff trey is finishing up college we got some mm -hmm. other little let me wait but it was a blessing so i'm going with a small amount of money to have and enjoy myself but even with that why do we just feel like i got it so i gotta spend it why can we never think i got it so let me save or i got it so let me invest why don't we ever have that mindset and that is a problem <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so we talked about getting rid of baggage by having someone else help you offload it mm -hmm. what are some other ways once you realize, okay, I've got some baggage, whether it's, you know, we talked about financial or emotional or relationship or whatever your past, not being able to forgive and heal from past things. So what are some other ways that we can get rid of that baggage so we do not die a bag lady? Um, something that is not very popular in the black community, seek a therapist. <laughs> I am a proponent for it. I am all about mental health awareness because we have been taught, oh, she is strong. He is strong. They're holding on. They've got it. But deep down inside, this baggage is weighing down on your brain cells. It's messing your mind up. So talk to somebody, even if you don't have someone in your life, a relative, a spouse, a best friend that can help you. Sometimes it's a lot easier to just unload on a complete stranger. Mm -hmm. Hey, especially because they, they don't know you. So it's a no judgment zone. You can be free. Even if you sound crazy, there are trained professionals that will let you be crazy and release all of that so that you can say, you know what? I never, because sometimes we don't really know how bad we have it until we hear ourselves talk it out. And it's like, oh, well, I do this and I do this and I do that. And then it's like, wait a minute, I did this. I really did that. But you don't know it whenever you're trying to pretend to be something for someone else who knows you. So seek a therapist, like get some help. People I know in the church, you don't need it. You just need to talk to Jesus. Jesus created therapists for a reason. There are therapists and coaches and psychologists and psychiatrists in this world for a reason. Talk to somebody because only then will you be able to see yourself outside of yourself and then recognize, okay, you know what? I really do need help and it's okay. It doesn't mean you're crazy. I know the stigma is if I tell a stranger my business that I'm crazy and I got to be on meds and I got to be, that has nothing to do with it. Now, if you want to, you know, release all your anger and then go shoot up everybody, then we need to have another conversation. But just for the sake of releasing that baggage, sometimes we don't know how bad the baggage is or how outdated it is. It's just like carrying around a carton of expired milk. You've been holding on to this milk mm. thinking that you're going to use it for a bowl of cereal next year when that milk expired when you were seven years old baby and you're 50 it's time for you to put that down but mm -hmm. why won't you put it down well you're not going to talk to mama and daddy about it you're not going to talk to sister and brother about it so talk to somebody else who can maybe help you see okay this is probably why you've been carrying it and this is why you should no longer carry it so let me help let me hold that for you let me yeah. take and then when you release it you'll see i didn't need to carry that why have i been carrying that I don't need that anymore. And mm -hmm. then 
unleash and unload the rest of it. But talk to somebody. Oh my goodness. Stop being ashamed of seeking help because we all need it. <laughs> we all absolutely. We all do. And I love what you just said there that when you talk to a therapist, they can carry it for you. You can give it to them mm-hmm. because as, as you're talking about how wonderful your husband has been in helping you release the baggage, some people may feel like, well, I don't have anybody like that in my life. But yeah, you can talk to a therapist and they will hold their hands out and you can take that and put it in their hands and they'll put it aside for you. Uh, so I love that. We all have access to somebody who can help us release our baggage. We don't have to carry it. No, you don't. You, and you're not supposed to. But again, we think that we have to. We, we, in the midst of us trying to be superheroes, we have misidentified the definition of that. So we feel like I've got to put on this facade. I've got to be this person that everybody else wants me to be instead of just being great at who we are called and created to be. That's a word. That's a word. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so the last question I wanted to ask you was, to tell me a little bit more about your business in terms of what you do for other people. So we talked about your books and your speaking engagements. And also if you have any upcoming speaking engagements, where will you be? And, and a little bit about that as well. Absolutely. Well, yes. So I am the proud owner, CEO of Walk Upright. Upright is spelled U-P-W-R-I-T-E where I provide ghostwriting, content creation, social media management, um, literally everything. My model is if it must be written, it must be upright. So from speeches to books to ad copy to literally I've written some of the craziest things. I've had people to reach out to me for me to write their wedding vows. I've had people reach out to me for me to write their breakup. I don't want to be with you anymore letters. (laughs) I get these. I'm like, Okay, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. (laughs) But I love it because it allows me to be creative in another way. Um, I've had people that have had me to write letters of apology to family members. I've had people that I've had to write letters for, speeches for inmates who were standing before the parole board trying to get out. It's crazy. And sometimes I'm like, how do these people find me? Like, where did they come from? Right. But, you know, I'm good with the social media, with the speeches, with the books. But, hey, I need this speech because I've got to stand before the parole board. First of all, how did you find me? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's amazing. So I've had the chance to really. And I I love what I do because my gift, it allows me to help people who to some, it just may be trivial. Oh, trivial. Excuse me. Oh, it's just a letter. It's just a this. It's just a that. But there are people who just don't have the know-how to say things the right way. And I love the response of when I create something for others and then they come back to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I read it and it made me cry. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, but I'm like, yes, I did what I was supposed to do. So I, I love it. But um, Walk Up Right has been in existence officially for three years this year, but I've been honestly doing this for six years and I was doing it through another platform. And then I had a client to reach out to me and say, hey, wait a minute. OK, you're doing this, taking appointments through this platform. They're getting a chunk of the money. Why don't you just do this for yourself? And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> so I'm thinking I had missed out on so much money by letting this other, you know, freelancing platform take their lump sum. And then it just really because, again, in my mind, 
I can't do this. I can't be a business owner. I'll just work behind the scenes for something or for someone else. So, but now Walker Bright is, is doing very well. I'm grateful for the clientele I have. I get to help some amazing people, including doctors and lawyers and politicians. Um, I even have a couple of former American Idol contestants as um, clientele. I have a former NBA star. So it's crazy. Like I get to really encounter some awesome people and I'm always like, Lord, how did they find me? Then I'm like, well, you know what? Never mind. That's none of my business. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your anointing precedes you. And I almost forgot to ask you the question that I ask everybody on SOAR is what limiting beliefs, and you've talked about some of them, but is there any other limiting beliefs that you had to overcome in order to start your business? Goodness, yes. I had to stop believing that I was not smart enough. I had to stop believing that a little black girl from my little city where I'm from could be anything other than just a wife and a mom. I had to understand that I was just more than a wife and a mom because for so many years I hid behind that. That was my place of comfort. I've always been mm. evident, but I've been a mom for almost 19 years and I've been a wife for a little, we just celebrated our ninth anniversary. But, you know, over the last year, even I've had to embrace you are so much more. I tell, I'll tell people all the time when my son graduated from high school last year, I was distraught. I thought my world was coming to an end because that's my only baby. My husband and I, we do have a blended family, but Trey is the only child I've ever birthed. And I was thinking, OK, now he's gone. He don't need me. So I don't have to be the band mom. I can't, you know, go to the school and bring snacks. I don't have to pick him up from work. And for about a month and a half, two months, I struggled. But it was then that my business started to open up because I'm like, wait a minute, but now I have time. Now I can do this. Now, and my husband is a truck driver, so he is always on the road. So it's like, okay, my husband's not here. My child is not here. What am I going to do? And God was like, you're going to do this business I gave you. That's what you're going to do. So that was my limiting belief. I had to recognize and accept that I am more than just somebody's wife and more than just somebody's mama. And I am worthy of it. And in fact, because of the city, the little town that I come from, I am proof that good things do come out of that place. Mm, I love that one. I really love that. That really resonated with me. And how can we reach you if we want to get a letter written, you know, or if we want to hire you for other services, write our book, how can we reach you? Absolutely. So my website is www.walkupright.com. That's walk, W-A-L-K, upright, U-P-W-R-I-T-E.com. You can find me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm not on Twitter because I just, I don't prefer Twitter, but you can find me at least there. And even if you're interested in, in speaking engagements or purchasing a book, I do have a link tree page that will take you to all that I have going on or what's available. And that is link L I N K T R dot E E slash Ebony Walker. And you can find me there for everything. Wonderful. Ebony, I have so enjoyed this conversation and your energy is just infectious. So I appreciate you and thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on SOAR. It's an honor. You know, I've been watching and looking and all that from behind the scenes, but it's an honor to be on the great plethora of speakers and interviewees for the sisters who are overcoming and rising. 
Thanks for conquering those limiting beliefs on another episode of the SOAR podcast. If you want to reach out to my guest, just check out the show notes and all of the contact information is there. If you want more information about Stephanie Brown Coaching, go to www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And I'm sure you're already following the SOAR podcast Instagram page. But if not, just go to IG and type in Sisters Overcoming and Rising, all one word. Goodbye for now. 